No Matthews, no problem, as Shalgren proves to be the solution and goal for the Maple Leafs in their victory over the Dallas Stars. Is this a sign for things to come? We'll discuss that and more on today's edition of Locked On Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Locked on Leafs podcast, your daily fix for all things Leafs. I'm your host, David Morrissey from Sportsnet. And yes, Mike is still away on vacation. We're going to give him the whole week off. So don't worry. I have another guest co-host today. You know him on Twitter as Tic Tac Tomar. It's my buddy Omar. Welcome to the Locked on Leafs podcast. Hey, man. Yeah, it's been uh, it's 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 been a, been a while. Like uh, you can kind of think back to like the fan sided days. On like tip of the tower and stuff. So uh, yeah, it's nice, nice to reunite on uh, on a special, special game, special night for a special player too. Yeah, I, I mean, just so everyone knows, Omar and I do have a great history together. How many years, man? Back yeah. to when the Leafs were like not exactly do like winning playoff. I mean, they were winning playoff series, but they were not in playoff positions at mm-hmm. that time. We were like happy about the Austin Matthews number one overall. Those so, are the like, days. Those That's were the when- days. When the, when those wins were like that was the first legitimate victory, and then you know seeing whether they're going to make the playoffs, they do. They face Washington, Martin Marinson, and then <laughs> oh my god, we are we are going back, man. Oh, and, and that's not even that far back if you think about mm-hmm. it, really. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, for anyone that doesn't know, you can get all your daily uh, Maple Leaf centric podcast here on the Locked On Network wherever you get your podcast and. We're also on YouTube. We're, man, okay, you match me a little bit with the Leaf swag here. I, I mean, my head's kind of covering the Tavares picture in the back, but I like what you got going on there. So if you're yeah. not watching us on YouTube, you get you are missing out on Omar's shiny Stanley Cup. Yes, so something that for now this is the, it's the closest that I'll get <laughs> to a Stanley to a Stanley Cup. I, I I have it here just for you know is it's kind of like the we're manifesting it exactly Man- exactly you're manifesting the energy right you have that you have the bunting jersey you know trying to manifest those positive vibes so we'll see yeah so on today's show obviously we're going to be just breaking down the game the Maple Leafs beating the Dallas Stars for nothing with Eric Schalgren getting his not only his first victory with the Leafs but his first. NHL shutout kind of a bit of a we've seen this a little bit before from Lee so we're going to kind of discuss the nostalgia behind that we're also going to give our three stars of the game like we normally do and we're also it's Wednesday so we got to play co-sign no sign obviously this podcast comes out on the Wednesday so first and foremost Eric Schalgren not surprisingly he got the start tonight the result may be a little more surprising given who the opponent was how Omar. Yeah, I mean, um, like no, like no, like not taking anything away from Eric Schalgren. I think the the overall thing and the big difference between him and and Mrazik and Net is that Mrazik is more of a scrambly acrobatic goaltender, whereas Schalgren is very just like composed in in his spot. Um, there are a lot of saves that he was making despite traffic being in front of him, where literally just leans, grabs the puck, 
you know, there's uh even even if the moments where they, you know, if there is a, a rebound in the slot, he recovers he recovers very well. And again, like his movements aren't as dramatic. And even if he does have to make a sprawling save, it still seems controlled. It's more like a controlled chaos. And I think watching that is is just it was a lot more calming. And me, the only the only read the only time I got very like nervous watching the game was just like as the time started to trickle away in like the final minutes of the third period, saying like, "Oh, is he gonna get the shutout? Is he gonna get the shutout?" But besides that, like I'm watching him, it's just like, yeah, like I I have no qualms or worries about him in net, and I think that's a very important thing for the least because I think what's been happening over the last couple of weeks is that you know they play very well. Maybe they they even if they're down like one or two goals, they have, they have a good good pushback. They tie the game or they get the lead, and then the first set of chances the other way go the other way back end up being goals, and I think. The way that Eric Shulgin was playing, I think, really did kind of provide that support that the team needed where, hey, we can make those offensive leaps if we need to and still be reassured that we can have someone behind uh, who can make the stop if anything goes wrong. I really felt like in this game, the first five minutes and like the last 10 minutes were going to be crucial for mm-hmm. Shulgin. Because if you weather the storm early and, and the Dallas Stars, they came out swinging. They had like four on end. Like they came out four nothing in the shot total. Looked pretty, some pretty yeah. tough looks for him. And I feel like when he got that first five minutes, I allowed him to settle down. The Leafs started building the lead. And then, it, yeah, the nervousness of knowing can we hold on to a multi goal lead? Well, not only can they hold on to a multi goal <laughs> lead, but look rather comfortable doing it. Like I don't think I've seen a game like this where the Leafs didn't really need to do much in terms of. The, the pressure wasn't there throughout the back and forth weren't really that much, you know, prevalent. So it kind of reminded me of that game against Minnesota where low event, there were obviously chances, but there wasn't, you know, the, the highs and lows that you we've seen from, you know, the Leafs in the last two weeks. And I think, you know, hearing about Shalgren and his calming demeanor, it, it speaks to everything that this Leafs group just kind of needed right now. And they were not getting from Mrazic or Campbell. Yeah, and I think the you know to, to your point about you know weathering the storm early, like 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 you said, like Dallas has the shots are four nothing. Leafs come back, they score on their first shot of the game. It was either their first or the second shot, right? And again, like if you have your goaltender making those saves and allowing you to kind of you know you know get set, get ready. Yeah, sure, you you allow the opposition to have their pushback, but then once after that Sandine goal, then the entire the rest of the game was Leafs like all all throughout. And again, I think we have to give a special shout out to the third line as a whole, because when it comes down to, you know, that whole defensive aspect, like there are a lot of a lot of moments where like little um, uh, of Engvall and Camp were literally just skating around the offensive zone, just like being strong um, um, along the wall and not allowing Dallas to Dallas to transition the puck. I think it's it's things like that that I think really make a goaltender's job easier, but also speaks to the way that I think. Keith wants the team to play consistently and not just on like, you know, one game here or one game there, because I think if, if you have this level of goaltending and this play style, then you get to that point where you're having those positive results and that they're just happening. It's not that you have to have like, you know, miraculous performances or miraculous games. If you just stick to your structure and stick to the system in that sense, then you're put yourself in a position to win games just automatically. So, you know, this was a great step, especially after how, you know, how bad things were on Sunday. And hopefully, you know, when you have a team like Carolina coming up on Thursday and then Nashville on Saturday, hopefully you can take a lot of the positivities from this game and then 
allow it to, you know, to lead to more positive results again, because you have other teams in Boston who are chasing you in the standings right now. Yeah. I think that's the important part too, is like kind of stop the bleeding a little bit because mm-hmm. they missed a massive opportunity the last few weeks going up against non-playoff opponents. Tampa was losing games to really strong opponents, especially on that West coast trip uh, against, you know, the Western Canadian teams and the Leafs not only didn't gain ground, but they lost ground on Boston some have wondered whether that might be a good thing that you don't play Tampa round one, but at the same time, you don't want to keep dropping points. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at this point of the, uh, this one of the season. So I think, yeah, this was a, just a game. I think the Leafs just needed a breath and just hearing Scotiabank arena throughout this game, I think talks to just what Leafs fans were looking for. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to like, when was the last time you hear Scotiabank arena really cheer for saves, even routine saves. I'm thinking back to like, you know, the day where James Reimer was put into the net because Jonathan Bernie got hurt against the Bruins. And every save, James Reimer was getting a, almost a standing ovation because people were happy to see him back. Like Curtis Joseph coming in from Martin Gerber when he got tossed for pushing a ref and everyone was on Cujo's side. Like, I, I just think, you know, it was good to see the crowd kind of really lift up uh, Shalgren in a way that I don't think we've seen at times during the uh, yeah, plays because there's been a lot of nervousness around this goaltending, and Leafs fans are kind of tired of seeing the same old story over and over again. And it's just refreshing that, especially with a tough game coming up against Carolina, that they have something to build off of. Yeah, absolutely. And and Shogun even like mentioned that um uh, post game with Mark Masters where he said um in his first game when he came in um in that Arizona after Mirazi um, got pulled how like again like every every you know save that the you know that he made like you know fans were cheering now granted it could be a little you know bronx like considering the fact that like hey we have a goaltender actually making saves but you know still he was able to take some positivity from that and run with it and then you see this game same thing like every every save every opportunity where you know hey you know if if you if you don't make this save or if you know if you don't like freeze this puck and this is a rebound then you're allowing Dallas to kind of get back into it but any but you know, saves were made. There weren't many rebounds. The pucks were frozen. Allowed you allowed the the team to reset. And again, I think it was just a very reassuring feeling that you know fans have not had when it came when it when it comes to goaltending for a while now. Like even before you know Morazic stuff, even like when Campbell was just wasn't lo- looking himself and you know not making those saves that we were used to seeing in the beginning of the season. I think this is kind of I guess maybe a, a breath of fresh air or maybe just like a kind of a positive light for a lot of Leafs fans. And again, I think it's moments like this that you can really build off of the season. You know, like every team has like a moment where it's just like, you know, when this happened, this kind of changed the trajectory of our year. And it's not to say that the Leafs have had a bad year, but there have been a lot of bumps along the road. And, you know, you see, you know, Shalgren getting again, first, first NHL start, gets a win, gets a shutout, is the first star. He comes out, the crowd is just going nuts. And then he's 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 patting his chest. He's patting the crest on his chest. And I think it's that moment. That's something that you can really build off of. That's where you can kind of really channel that Disney magic. And I make that joke all the time. That like, t- there's always a team that has like that Disney Channel energy where they just like this win, like St. Louis when they were last and they ended up winning the cup. Or like you know, think of those LA teams who like you know um, who make the playoffs out of the eighth seed and end up and, 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 and end up winning the entire thing. I think. I think this could be something that really propels the team forward. And uh, this could be a great story, not only for Shalgren, the, pl- Shalgren, the player, but also the rest of the team. Um, so 
hopefully hopefully this continues on and this isn't just like another you know random pay positivity thing that we see from a goaltender in years um but i think shalgren has give, given us a lot of evidence to prove that you know that there is a lot of signs that this can go on further yeah and we'll kind of uh, go through a little bit of that because there is another game coming up and there's a lot more to talk about with this game. So we're going to take a short break. Uh, we're going to hear from our today's show sponsor. And that is, yes, let's give a shout out to today's show sponsor. And that is Built Bar, who, you know, this time of year, we're getting into, you know, colder weather. People are not as willing to get out and keep to their New Year's resolution of maybe working out more, or eating healthier. But guess what? Built Bar has kind of helped me stick to those resolutions because it's almost feel like you're not really it's not really a resolution when you're eating them because I actually enjoy eating them. Uh, I've been eating a lot of the cookies and cream flavor. One of the best, I think, out there when it comes to the Built Bar flavors. Uh, they also have the puffs, which are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallow. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat and they're covered in 100 percent real chocolate. Oh, Built Bars are usually around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar. I think uh, most people would like to give the Built Bar a try. So if you are looking to get a Built Bar, make sure you go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order, and use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Not only do Built Bars taste great, but they also make it healthy. I don't know about you. They pull it off every time. All right. Welcome back to the Locked on Lease podcast. I'm David Morissuti here with my guest co-host Omar, who many of you know on Twitter as Tic Tac Tomar. Some some nice gifts as usual from the game tonight. <laughs> Uh, and I know you do write some stuff for the athletic and usually give your, you know, your grades for the night, your uh, three stars. So I think it's only fitting that we do three stars for this game. Mm-hmm. And since you are the guest, I will gladly see that you get to choose your uh, third star of the game. Um, third star, I think I'm going to give it to Ilya Mikheyev. Um, I really liked Mikheyev's game today. It's just his speed isn't, isn't talked about enough. And usually it's kind of used to dunk on him a little bit, saying like, oh, he's all he's all speed and no hands, which okay. But like I think in, in games like this, you know, his speed is very overwhelming. And I think I think still to this point, a lot of teams aren't really ready for it. Where like, you know, they kind of think that they're keeping up with them, and then it's just like, oh wait, no. And then he ends up just being behind them. And he, you know, he uses his speed both defensively and offensively. And again, I think when it comes down to the overall pressure that the third line did, and again, they got a lot of those assignments against them, the Rupe Hints line, Jason Robertson, you know, uh, Joe Pavelski, and they didn't have much going for them tonight. Um, and again, I think a lot of it comes down to what McCabe is doing. Again, making making use of his speed, whether he's you know rushing rushing the net, getting shots, or leaving pucks um, around for Engvall or for Camp, or just you know heading heading back and tying up sticks and getting in the way, you know, and kind of met, messing up with um with you know offensive transition in, in that sense. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna give my my uh, my third start at Ely McCabe. I think he had a great game, and you know the 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 cherry on top is he he gets the empty net goal with that yeah. shot from the defensive zone. But overall, I think he was solid. Yeah, usually those empty nets kind of fitting for the best players, usually on the defensive side to get those opportunities. I'm, you know, I was debating whether to go with Rasmus Sandin for the third star, but I feel like that'd be a little easy. I'm actually going to give it to Ilya Lubushkin mm-hmm. because I, you know, 
I've been clamoring for this guy to get more of an opportunity to play with Morgan Riley and play in those tougher defensive assignments that Lilligren and Sandy just haven't really been able to handle as much. He had six hits tonight, including a world beater on Jason Robertson. Just like knocked, knocked down. And I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I've heard of him yet, but I think we're going to start hearing some boosh chants <laughs> whenever he does a hit or something. Cause it's, it's fun to watch him play because we don't really have many guys that do what he does. He's mm-hmm. just, he's such a rare player in terms of just the willingness to just be a battering ram. Like that would have been my second go around for a nickname. I still think the Russian bear is top notch quality stuff. Um, especially considering where you know where the origin of that nickname came from, but I was really impressed with his game tonight. I know Sheldon Keith has been hesitant to give him more a bigger sign because he's he was more like, um, I want to keep him where he's succeeding. But at the same mm-hmm. time, when your team is is bleeding chances and bleeding goals, you have to kind of rethink your strategy a little bit. I think uh, I think Labush can show that maybe he can for the next couple of games show that he can play in the top four there. Yeah. And I think another thing that's cool about Labushkin is like, you know, he was advertised as being more of like a shutdown physical presence that you're not going to notice um, too much. However, there are moments where he's just like not afraid to escape with the puck. Like there was this one rush where he just like picked up the puck in the neutral zone and just like, okay, cool. I'm just going to take it. And then uh, ended up passing, passing it off, you know, headed, headed to the net. And I think, I think, you know, on on one end, maybe that's, you know, him kind of just buying into the system because the Leafs do play a very, like, active style when it comes to defense. But, again, I just like that. I like that comfort. I like that, I like that you know, that comfort, um, that confidence in that in that regard because it's one thing being being given the green light to do these things, but it's also another thing to actually do them, you know, in you know in that fast-paced situation and not be not put the team in a position where, you know, they're, you know, they're bleeding defensively or giving up a chance again. So I think overall, yeah, you know, Labushkin played a really solid game. Yeah. And I think uh, we'll see how it goes against a tougher team in Carolina on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Can't think of reason why you would make any changes there. Um, your second star, who would you give that to? Oh, Johnny T for sure. I think, right. yeah, absolutely. I mean, Matthews is in the lineup, you know, he gets a promotion to the top line. And, you know, you you know, everyone's going to be saying, well, this is the opportunity for Tavares to really to, you know, to silence, to silence the doubters or anything. And, you know, he's literally just, just doing what he what he does. He's he's in, in front of the nut. He's winning battles. You know, he, he had the one one um, deflection goal off the Nylander shot. He easily could have had two or three more. Um, and again, I just I think this like Tavares does does the little things a lot. And it may not be, you know, the sexiest thing ever. It may not be, it may not end up on the highlight reels or whatever, but it works. And I think a game like this, where again, he's getting a lot of the focus because Matthews isn't, isn't out of the lineup. I think we see that a lot. There are a lot of, you know, highlighting packages and highlighting moments showing Tavares, you know, fighting, fighting and working his way along the board to the front of the net, getting those certain, the second and third opportunities. Um, so I think overall, I think this is a great game for him. And I think what, also, this could mean is, hey, you know, maybe there are, you know, different wing options that, that Tavares can work with. Um, but, you know, that's a different conversation moving forward. But, you know, I think overall, yeah, he gets my second star. Yeah, and he was my second star, too, just because there's been so much talk about him and his struggles this season that we haven't really heard much about them lately. And I know that Sheldon Heap kind of took him out to the him and Neilander kind of put them on the pedestal of saying they need to be better. We haven't liked what we've seen from them. And I've been kind of saying that maybe 
get Nylander away from Tavares for a little bit, just so that you're, you know, seeing if it's, if it's just the two of them or if there's something else there. And tonight, yeah, he looked, I mean, with Martin and Bunting, it's hard to not look good, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it was just funny because going into this game, people were somewhere like, oh, it's going to be tough without Austin Matthews. And someone's like, if only there was another first overall pick who was a, you know, overager in the C. I, I no, I, well, sorry, not an overager, but somebody who was picked uh, exceptional status player in the, mm-hmm. in the OHL. Sorry, I always forget the term there. But like John Tavares was given $11 million for a reason. People might not like it, but a lot of people who know how John Tavares plays, you know, he's not going to be the Austin Matthews, but he does a lot of things that do, do go unnoticed, as you mentioned. And we saw that tonight. He was battling. Like, there were, he was, he took some licks in this game. I saw one of the gifts you posted on the refs not even making a call on a play that was just away from the puck. Like, he's literally nothing yeah. to do with the play. But that's, that's, you know, something we've come to expect with the NHL lately. So uh, we're not even going to, waste our breath too much on that. But yeah, I think Tavares needed a game like this to kind of, I think maybe more so for himself than others, because I don't think he needs to prove it to others what he can do. I think just for himself, he just needs to get his game back. All right. Yeah. And I think something, and something that the NHL public relations account, I think tweeted after his goal, because he hit 20 uh, with his tally tonight. So it's his 12th season with 20 goals. And then only three players have more 20 goal seasons than him. Alex Ovechkin, who is, you know, on the on the way to try to beat Gretzky, Sidney Crosby, who is Sidney Crosby, and Patrick Kane. So besides those two players, there is no one in the league who has more twenty goal seasons than John Tavares. So, I and I think that just shows. I mean, longevity, and also I'm just seeing a highlight from uh, Tavares's uh, goal, like that faceoff win alone. Mm-hmm. The battle he had to go through to get that puck out into uh, Lilligren at or sorry, was it Nylander or Lilligren who taught that? Oh um, uh, yeah, he got it to Lilligren and Lilligren fed it to Nylander for the shot. Right there we go. Yeah. So, like that, those is plays like that that I think should give people a little more, you know, a little more credit to Tavares for how he can uh, impact on the ice. So first star, gee, this is a real tough one. I know, right? If can't, only can't, there was a player who, you know, made a debut in some way and hit a milestone. Oh, wait, star. that did happen. <laughs> yeah, Eric Schalgren is is absolutely the first star. I mean, and I think we we, t- we touched on a lot of the reasons why, um, you know, before the segment. And yeah. it's just, you know, the, the calmness, the, the, the poise. Um, and again, just the, the reassuring feeling um, that I think a lot of us just haven't had for a while now when it comes to goaltending um you know usually if there's a chance if there's a chance against you're kind of holding your breath thinking okay how is this going to end up but literally anytime you know Dallas got possession Dallas got a chance um I was you know slowly getting more and more confident that Shalgren was going to make the stop and he did and again whether it was through traffic it was a clean look um you know he was there making the stops and again I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets to start again on Thursday and you know who knows? Maybe continue, continue to to roll with it. Is it's a, it's one of the biggest cliches in hockey. Ride the hot goaltender. If you know if he's feeling it, if he's feeling confident, if the team feels confident about him, which I think is an important thing as well, because like who knows what the team might be, might be thinking about you know Morazic and that you know if, if he's letting in all these chances and stuff. If the team feels confident with Shawgren and Net, let the kid play. No, he's not even a kid. He's twenty five years old. Let him in. 
let him play. And, you know, it's for, for me, it's Shalgren's net until it's not. And I think he's proved that today. Yeah. And if you just want any idea just to how things have been going with Leafs Nation, I'm going to bring up our good buddy, Steve Dangle. Eric Shalgren knows where the posts are. <laughs> golden, <laughs> golden tweet right there. I mean, and and look, yeah, and I said this uh, when uh, Mike and I were kind of discussing Shalgren and, you know, the Coyote, that game. And we're just like, oh, do we even consider putting him in the Heritage class? I said, why not? You know, people think ah, he's he's a, a rookie. And I'm like, nah, he's like a rookie, like almost like Michael Bunting is a rookie because they mm-hmm. both have played professional for a while. They just don't have the NHL experience. But we're just when we're looking at what the Leafs need here, the Leafs do not need an Andre Vasilevsky in net right now. No, really, we will settle for middle of the class NHL goaltending right now. And that's exactly what he, he, he didn't have to go and make the ridiculous scorpion saves that you see Vasilevsky made, but he also made the saves that I think Morazic has struggled to make. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I, I would say, yes, he deserves to get the next start just based off of merit that he was so calm and collected in this one. The team, played in a way that they haven't played in a really long time. So don't mess with that. Um, you get them for the next game, and then you assess after that. I think with three games before the trade deadline, you let you let this kid show what he can do. Mm-hmm. And his three three games that are nice and spread out. He's not going to get too tired, although he's played in the AHL, AHL where the schedules are ridiculous. So I can't see why that wouldn't uh, – wouldn't be a an issue there so we are going to take another break and when we come back we're gonna kind of look forward here i wanted to get omar's opinion on the leafs and their trade deadline approach because i've been asking almost everybody about this because <laughs> it's flip-flopped the last week and a bit so we're just gonna listen to uh our show sponsors again and we are going to come back with our final segment all right, welcome back to the Locked on Lease podcast. Uh, so Leafs come away with the 4 nothing win, a game where they did not allow a goal, something we haven't seen in a, quite a while. I can't, I was yeah. actually going to look and see when was the last time the Leafs actually got a shutout because I, I can't even think of that. I yeah, it have. has been a while. Eh? Like usually when it comes to the Leafs, it's just like, you know, Blowing three-one leads and five-one leads, or seventeen-goal games, or whatever, whatever the total was um, um, against Detroit that one day. But yeah, it has he actually has been a while since there was a shutout. I think, I guess Ottawa. Yeah, looking at it now, I guess yeah, Ottawa, January first, winning six nothing. Oh that was the last <laughs> one. So yeah, and I, I I'm just. Uh... I think it goes to show also that this was one of the least better defensive games since that Minnesota game, which mm-hmm. was back on February 24th, almost a month ago. Yeah. So I, I can't, yeah, I can't think of, you know, a better time to just take a second and just re- and kind of refresh a little bit because the hysteria around the Leafs right now reached another level with the Buffalo game. Yep. Um, where, look, that was a bad loss in terms of the, the circumstances and just how the Leafs kind of got exposed a little bit there. But when you look at the Leafs' trade deadline aspirations, and we've we've kind of heard many things. We've also had to 
avoid the fake stuff, which I fell victim to in one of my group chats and I got skewered for it. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I, next time people, if you're, if you're going to quote from a radio hit, maybe actually just listen to the radio hit before you go and tell your friends. <laughs> Cause we get, I think we get a little too comfortable looking at the guys who repost from the radio. Mm. I should know better because I'm actually supposed to listen to more of those radio conversations. <laughs> um, but so the least priorities here, and um, I, I I think this game, yeah, it was a good game, but I don't think it really also changes too much of the dynamic of what they need to do because Dallas has been struggling lately. They hadn't exactly been hitting on all cylinders coming into this game. The Carolina yeah. one, I think, is going to be the most interesting one when you're going to make an assessment of what this team needs, but. Are you on the? Are you so? Are you on board with the Leafs going for a goaltender? Or are you on the full get a defenseman train? Or is there something else you think that they should try to do? I mean, I've always been on the get another defenseman um, camp, um, just because I think when it comes down to the stretch where you're where you're really playing like those heavy minutes and like you have those games where like everyone's playing 20, 25 minutes, the you know the games are are, are gritty and. Uh, and it's, it's another like un, under understated thing as well. Like the the playoffs are, are a different beast. We know this. Once once the uh, once those the 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 Stanley Cup playoff patches go on the jersey. Once the, the things get painted on the ice, we know the refs say, "Okay, cool, go, <laughs> like go go do whatever." And and you know that and that takes experience. So like you know, and this isn't to harp on like you know Ralph or Sandin or Timothy Lilligren. I think Sandin. I think has shown that he's capable of, I think, of playing that heavier style. But we we've also seen a lot of moments where you know he kind of gets you know boxed out a lot. Lilligren, you know, his his boxing out, you know, his gaps have been an issue, um, you know, the entire season. So like when it comes down to those, you know, those critical moments in the playoffs, like are you confident, you know, you know, playing these two these two defensemen? Who again, I think a lot of us like kind of forget this is their first like full season in the NHL. Right. And then, then even still, they still didn't play a full 82 game. So I think getting one more person on the back end who is kind of more, you know, Ilya Labushkin like that is more focused on, you know, kind of go that quiet defensive game, more physical, makes it difficult in front in front of the net, boxes players out. I think that's what the focus needs to be. And, you know, to your point about the team playing better, I think Justin Hall had a pretty good game um, to, today when it comes down to, to boxing players out. Like I literally watched him like force push um someone someone like like out of um Shalgren's uh, li- line of sight and he was able to make the save and I think getting that on, on a more consistent base is important I think the best way to do that is to get more players who have that level of who have that same mindset so I'm definitely on the idea of getting another defenseman I don't getting another goaltender is risky um and I think it depends on who you're letting go right because if you're letting go of Mrazic then okay but then who do you have playing next year? Because Jack Campbell's a UFA. Um, Jack Campbell and his agent are completely entitled to ask for whatever they want. You are not entitled to give them what they want. Um, if it's if this is November and Jack Campbell's camp says, you know what, we want uh, five times five. I say, okay, cool. Let's sign that. Now, if you're asking me now, I don't know about that. I think I might give you like maybe or maybe around three, three point five, kind of where where uh, Peter Mrazek's at. So I, I think that that's the question that needs to be asked. And I wonder if, I wonder if lease management is kind of at a point where they're thinking, let's you know, let's let's get tougher up front. 
Let's get tougher on the blue line. And then hopefully that will make our goaltenders jobs easier instead of having to, you know, to, you know, spend the assets to get to get a to get a goaltender. Because another thing too is we don't even though yes, you know, the the talk has been, hey, maybe they'll keep Jake Muzzin out until the until the playoffs and get the extra cast space. We don't know if that if we don't know if they're doing that. Like I saw like a couple days ago, like like uh, okay, actually it might have been it might have been this morning where Jake Muzzin was like all like skating with the team in morning skate, and apparently he's feeling you know, it's, you know things are being positive. Now, granted, they're not going to rush him, but if you're banking on that extra cap space and you make a deal and you can't afford them the money, then you kind of handcuff yourself a little bit. So I wonder if the plan will end up being just to get a get a defenseman. And then hopefully the the more secure play in front will make the jobs of Campbell, Barazic, or Shalgren easier down the stretch. Because I think if you think of last year, like that first round series against Montreal, not Campbell's fault. Yes, he gives up that one horrible bad goal in game seven. But besides that, he gave them an opportunity to win that series. So you have that, you have that threshold there. So if they so I guess it just comes down to trusting if Jack Campbell can get back to that standard. Um, and if you do trust that, cool. Is it risky? Absolutely. And again, like it's beyond least pessimism. Like, like it would be very unfortunate if the Leafs are, are dominating play in the playoffs, but their goalie just can't make them a save. So, and I think the unfortunate thing is, is that there's not enough time to kind of make that like leap of faith decision, you know? Um, so I think right now, I think you focus on on defense, and then hopefully that you know fixes the goaltending a bit. Yeah, and uh, I should say that usually on Wednesdays we play cosine no sign, and I I was gonna say for my cosine no sign, the Leafs get a defenseman, but I think I'm gonna put a one more forward in that the Leafs get a defenseman with term because mm. we kind of we've kind of heard the idea of you know. The first round pick, not many teams would really want to go for a rental with that first round pick. The Colorado Avalanche were able to avoid that in the Josh Manson trade. Maybe they're saving that first round pick for another deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with the Tyler Toffoli trade to Calgary, the fact that it took a first round pick for in that deal kind of sets the precedent that maybe a first round pick should be getting you a little bit more now than it did in past years. Although with the lease, it kind of has not worked out that way. Yeah. I.e. Nick Foligno, who got his 1000th game tonight with the Boston Bruins. Oh, nice. We, yeah, very nice. You know, <laughs> no, it would have been, would have been cool if he got more of you in the playoffs, but you know, it's not, it's not, it's not it wasn't his fault. It was just, it was an unfortunate yeah. set of circumstances. Um, but I think it goes to show though, that first round pick, Guy gets hurt in the playoffs, you lose in the playoffs. It's just like, well, it's bad luck, but it's also the cost reinsurance that maybe we should be aiming a little bit higher. And even Jake uh, in our conversation yesterday was saying this. He he said he's tired of the rentals for first-round picks that don't amount to anything because the Leafs have struggled to get past that hurdle. Mm -hmm. So do you think that maybe, and maybe my co-sign knows that would be, you know, do the Leafs, prioritize a player with term or do you think they go the rental market? Yeah, I, I think, I think term will be, that will definitely be the focus just because the cap situation is going to be up and down and, you know, and yes, it's, it's, it's a point that's brought up a lot. You know, when you have a team where 
you know, almost half the cap is dedicated towards four players. You have to be, you have to be mindful of that type of stuff. Also, no, Morgan Riley's extension is kicking in next year as well. So he's going to get like, well, like a, a 2.5 or $2 million dollar increase. So like you have to keep that in consideration too. And also it just, it just, I think it just keeps the team can more competitive on a longer, on a longer term. If you're getting players that are going to be there past this year, because again, you know, to Jake's point, you, you never know. And I think we've all seen as being Leafs fans that things can go wrong and anything can happen in the playoffs. And it's unfortunate to, to you know, to, to, to empty the cupboards, give up the first round pick, give up the prospects, give up the roster players, and then just for nothing to happen, it happened in the playoffs. And I, and I don't think financially and cap wise, the Leafs are in a position where they can just make those, you know, these, those free nilly deals. So I think when it comes down to whatever deal they make, they will want to focus on term unless unless they're very confident that they can get that player re-signed. Now there's been a you know tough track record there as well. Um, you know, when it comes to Dubas keeping, you know, keeping um, UFAs in, in certain in certain uh, circumstances, of course it's not happening, it doesn't happen all the time, but I think the, the I think the priority will definitely be players with term in unless the rental is a significant increase. So like Mark Giordano's name has been thrown out a lot. And that's a player that some people think that could help the Leafs on the back end. He's a UFA. Now, do you give up a, do you give up a first for that? I don't know. But if you have other teams that are involved and then they're throwing out their first round pick, then you may feel like you have to. Um, so I think it just, I think it just depends on what kind of upgrade the Leafs wants. Um, I think Knowing Dubis, I think he'll try to find the steady depth depth improvement that you may not have to give up a first four. Maybe it can be like you know a, a low a lower pick or a lower prospect or just a player that you know you don't see the organization can use, um, but a player that can help the team for a longer a longer stretch. Because even in you know the the free agency, Michael Bunting got a two year deal. He didn't get a one year deal. David Camp got a two year deal. Uh, Andre Kosh is an RFA at the end of the season. So he has, so, you know, they saw the rights there. So I think, you know, the idea of retaining rights in some way, shape or form is going to be important. And I'm going to bring up one other thing because some people brought this up at the, even before the season began, and that was Jake Muzzin's future here. The last two years of his deal, he gets two, uh, he gets $4 million per season. Like salary or is salary that wise, a, in terms uh, of his salary? He has a two year. So let's say even the Leafs, potentially move him past July 1st. He has a no trade clause where he can pick 10 teams, but he has a $2 million signing bonus. And then he's, you know, then it's 2 million after 2 million after that. There might be some teams that would want a Jake Muzzin. And if the least could make a trade work where, you know what, let's say I'm going to put out the high hypothetical that everyone's talking about with Jacob Chikorin. Darren Drager did say that just because he's hurt doesn't mean he's not going to be moved because he might actually be back earlier than expected because he's already potentially going to skate at the end of the week. Mm. Let's say you bring in a Jacob Chikorin. He's on the left side there, and you decide maybe you have him for the playoffs. You get Muzzin back, and then you kind of see how Jacob Chikorin works in your lineup, and maybe that's where you say to Jake Muzzin, look, you've done some great things for us. If we can't make the cap hit work, if we can't make the money work, where can we, where can we send you? Maybe that's... I mean, I don't know if LA even has the cap room. Maybe he considers a move back there because we know how much he loves it there. Mm-hmm. Or something along those lines where I feel like 
just because you get a guy with turn doesn't mean you try to figure out other ways to make it work and to fit in. Because that's one thing Dubas has been willing to do. He's willing to make moves in order to get things that make more sense for the team going forward. That doesn't mean Jake Muzzin doesn't make sense going forward. Maybe he turns his game around because it has not been a good season for him. He has had some injury problems. Mm-hmm. But maybe this is also Cal Dubas realizing that, you know what, we have to figure out ways to increase and lengthen our uh, open window of co- you know of contending here. And maybe we got to go and think about ways that we move out some of the guys just that don't fit in terms of their play right now and their and their production. Yeah, and and that's just something that's on brand for Dubis as well. Like he's, we've heard many multiple stories of Dubis being honest with players and and trying to honor players' wishes. You know, um, the the Nick Ritchie situation. He was told that like, hey, if we can't find a role for you in the lineup, we'll we'll move you. Uh, think of all the free agent signings who have you know who have who have signed from the KHL over. Um, didn't get an opportunity to play Miko Letton in last year or the year before that. No, it was last year. You know, hey, we you know you don't have a place to play. We'll trade you, traded him in Columbus, and then you know things went there. So I think that that idea of definitely talking to having those conversations with players and thinking, okay, hey, well, like, you know, this is where you're at in your career. This is where you're at salary cap wise. We don't think that you know that this is feasible for us. So we're gonna we're thinking of moving you. Uh, this is what's up. And I think another thing as well is that you also have to think of the fact that like in two years, do you still want Rasmus Sandin on the third pairing? I don't think so. I think the Leafs see him as a, as a, as a top four option. So maybe as Muzzin, you know, exits, that's where you have Sandin's kind of ascension into the top four. And he's the one who's, who's running that, that, um, or that second pair full time with someone else. Um, so I think those are a lot of things that you, that you have to keep in consideration. I think knowing where Jake Muzzin was when the Leafs decided to extend him, I think that's definitely a thought that that's, you know, that's coming, come that comes in mind. I think there is, you have, you have to have that thought, um, again, not only as a team that's trying to compete and trying to win, but also again, a team that has a very fixed and a fixed, uh, salary cap situation. Uh, so you have to be mindful of you know the aging players on contracts. You have to be you have to be mindful of the young players who are going to be coming off entry level contracts. You have to make sure that there's room within the lineup for for the next up and coming players. So you know today that was what was going on. Um, there's talk of maybe you know Matthew Nyes. You know after his after his college uh, season is up, maybe he uh, comes around. So I think there are a lot of a lot of conversations you definitely have to have, and I think that might um, I guess factor in when it comes to the Leafs. Uh, plans ahead of the deadline you know if if they think that jake muzzin could be an option you know on a longer basis but after this year okay then maybe that that impacts who they who they bring in but if they know that hey this might be the last year that we have jake muzzin okay so let's trade for a defense and human a defense and who may have an extra year or two on their deal and yeah that probably will rack rack the price up but again i think that's just what comes down to the importance of of one, you know, scouting, and also two, knowing if this player can be a fit, a fit on the roster uh, beyond this season. Yeah, I think this, I think it's going to be a quite a intriguing trade deadline because I think the Leafs might try something that maybe we don't even expect to happen because there's yeah. just so many, so many bullets in the chamber in terms of players that they could go after. But as Dubas has said, they don't exactly have <laughs> as many shots that they can fire because they Ooh. don't have. The cap space, nor do they have the assets. I think they will now look, they have assets, but I don't think they want to necessarily trade all those assets. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that's something people need to kind of realize too. They can sure would they like to go get a Marc Andre Fleury, but then 
what's going to be the solution for the defense. It's just you kind of have to be a little more selective, and I think that's why we haven't really seen anything happen right now. I do know that there was a Seattle scout at the game, uh, so that kind of maybe fits in line with the Mark Giordano uh, rumors that we've been hearing. I think if you're going to get a first round pick and try to get swing that into a deal for Jordan, maybe Seattle has something else that you want because mm-hmm. Seattle obviously needs not only do they need assets, but they this they, I think they you know they need the picks, but they also kind of need something to build with too, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe this is where you say, "Hey, Travis Dermott goes the other way, and you get something else back." I mean, as much as I I've always want, hoped Travis Dermott could be something in this lineup. The fact that he didn't even get back into this lineup, I think, speaks to where his future is with this team. So, yeah, absolutely, and I think I think he's probably a player that that may be on his way out as far as you know returns and a deal. And I think going back to the idea of, of a goaltender, maybe if you do make a team a, a trade for a trade with a team, and the main focus is is a defenseman, maybe you get a, def- a goaltender that comes back as well. Like you know, like last year. The Leafs had um, you know, made the trade for David Riddick, uh, Riddick, and it had had three goaltenders uh, heading into the playoffs. So, you know, so it the, so the option is still is still there. I think the the where I worry when it comes to acquiring a goaltender is that the Leafs are kind of at a quote unquote desperation point, and teams know that. And team, so I I kind of don't want to see you know Dubis overpay for a goalie when the focus is and and always has been making sure that the blue line is in a you know, in, is as good as it can be to withstand the the long term battles of the playoffs. Because yes, winning a round is going to be sweet. I'm going to be happy. I'm probably going to get. I'm probably going to cry. But I think as an organization, I think you can't just say, "Okay, Roy, we're just we want a round. That's it. Sweet, cool." No, you have to be thinking. You know, longer than that, especially considering like what some of the first round matchups we might see. There's going to be a lot of good teams that are going to be eliminated in the first round, and we saw last year, man. You win one round, and who knows? <laughs> and who knows what happens? So it still hurts me to this day, man. It still, it, it still bothers me to this day. What could have been? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, again, I think that's, I think that's what is. Well, if I'm Dubis, that's what I have to be thinking about. Like you know, last year, the, the one thing they played well defensively. They the goaltending was great. They could not score. Right, and I think that's what you don't want after this playoffs. You don't want the you don't want it to be. It was this one thing that that they, and that's why they lost. That's what you want to avoid because then if it's that one thing, the big question is going to be why didn't you address said thing at the deadline? And then Dubis's seat is on is on more fire than it already is. So I think that's where you need. I think that needs to be the overall plan for the for the playoffs is to make sure this team is covered overall. And again, I think if you shore up the defense, that improves the goaltending. And that overall improves the offense because then the other uh, team can just focus on scoring and not be worried that any oper- any chance they give up ends up in the back of their net. Yeah. No, I think it, the psyche that also does a, of adding a player that fits what the team needs also uh, helps the team going forward. Because we've seen teams respond either way in terms of what teams do at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Uh, want to thank you, Omar, for joining us on the podcast. Uh, it's always great to talk with you. It's been a little while, but yeah. uh, I mean, I'm always looking at what you're doing. Uh, you have any any projects coming up? I know you do some stuff. The Athletic, you got uh, that video series with Yahoo. Anything in the pipeline there you want to promote right now? 
Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So I'm um, at the athletic. I'm uh, doing the Maple Leafs report cards. So you can check those out. Um, and then with uh, Yahoo, we have um, in the mentions, um, which is mostly uh, least focused and also zone time uh, with a great cast. Uh, Sam Chang from the broadcast, uh, Julian McKenzie uh, from everywhere. <laughs> uh, Julian McKenzie is great. He's, he's everywhere. Um, and yeah, I, I think when it comes down to the Yahoo stuff, there's going to be a lot of interesting and exciting stuff for the playoffs. So definitely take uh, definitely uh, check that out because, hey, you know, uh, playoffs bring out a lot of emotions in different people. So it'll be uh, it'll be definitely fun and interesting to talk about uh, how the how those things go. But uh, fingers crossed uh, the Leafs are able to do it this time. Yeah, and we're going to obviously hopefully have Omar uh, again on the podcast. I mean, we got a lot of shows coming up, not only mm-hmm. after the trade deadline, but leading up to the end of the season, the playoffs. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to have you back for those. So mm-hmm. if you want to subscribe to the podcast, make sure you go uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to Locked On Leafs. Make sure you go on YouTube. We're trying to reach the 500 subscribers, and we're going to give away some Leaf swag once we hit it. We're, we're, we're creeping up there. We're getting up there. Uh, make sure you go and follow Omar on Twitter at TikTok Tomar. That's T I C T A C Omar. Just okay. Just so some people might not be able to spell TikTok Tomar. No, no judgment against that. Uh, go find myself at the underscore Morisuti. And even though Mike's not here, I will throw his Twitter handle out there too at Mickey underscore Canuck. And follow the show also on Twitter at Locked On Lease. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. I have another guest lined up. We're going to do a little prospect talk, a little preview of the Carolina game. And who knows? We might actually have uh, potential news to talk about. We just don't know yet. But we'll uh, discuss that. Until next time, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.